Well, as the kids begin to get settled, we are going to begin our time looking at the scriptures, but I wish that each of you were able to see the view that I'm able to see right now. This is, this is humbling, looking out at all of these worshipers. Um, it's, it's kind of taken my breath away. Um, Well, if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, please turn to Colossians chapter 2. You know, it was amazing as we started studying the book of Colossians verse by verse on Sunday mornings, and it just so happened that the passage that lined up with this morning ended up being my favorite favorite passage about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't it great when things just so happen like that? Isn't it awesome when our God just pulls together coincidences like that? What a beautiful day to celebrate. He is risen. risen You know, I never get tired of saying that. I'm probably going to say it multiple times this morning. There's just some things in life that you never get tired of saying. When I'm joyful, I never get tired of saying that I'm joyful. When I'm happy, I never get tired of saying that I'm happy. I mean, think about it. If, if four people came over and asked you, why are you smiling and you were happy, and then a fifth person came over, you wouldn't say, I already answered that four times. I told you. I'm happy, right? You don't get tired of saying some things. I never get tired of saying that I am the husband of Marcy or the daddy of Gracie and Elijah and Calvin. I never get tired of saying that I get to be a pastor at the greatest church on earth. There are some things that you never get tired of saying, and He is risen is one of those things. So... Even though I've been saying Christ is risen, literally, and you guys are sharp. <laughs> the kids really got you on your toes. <laughs> bah. <laughs> Even though I've been saying that since I first wiped the sleep out of my eyes this morning, I can't get tired of saying he is risen or hearing God's people say he is risen. So Redeemer family, he is risen. Ah, man. And I am sure that we have people with us this morning that come from all different understandings of what today actually means and what it actually represents. If you're like me, Easter and Christmas were the two times a year that you got tricked into going to church by your family. And um, my understanding was Well, that's the religious thing that I do twice a year because for some reason that's going to earn some kind of credit with God. And there's probably people with all different understandings, all sorts of in-between. And I want to let you know that if you're here this morning, you're going to be hearing the word Jesus in almost every sentence. You're going to hear the phrase, He is risen, over and over and over and you're going to hear the term gospel used many times throughout 
our time together this morning. The term gospel is just a fancy way of saying good news. And I used to think that the gospel was good news if you were religious or if you were a religious person. And therefore, if you were religious, then Easter was sort of the Super Bowl Sunday for religious people, right? It was like the number one day of the year for religious people. It was the day that they all circled on their calendar. Well, we're going to see this morning that nothing could be further from the truth. The gospel is actually very bad news for religion, but the gospel is the greatest news on earth for those who have grown weary and tired of religion but still find themselves thirsting for God. Because as we're going to see in this passage, religion is exhausting. Religion wears people out. Religion beats people down. Often the most weary people that I meet are also the most religious people that I meet. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth and he said, come to me all who are weary and all who are heavy burdened, and I am going to give you rest. Easter is a celebration of the rest that Jesus brought. Easter is a celebration that all of us who come to him do not have to be weary and heavy burdened from religion, but we can find rest in the good news of Jesus Christ. This day is a celebration that Jesus rose to free me and you from the burden and the weariness of religion, and he rose to give peace and rest in this life and forevermore. And this idea of coming to him starts with the first words of our passage. They'll also be projected up behind me if anybody would like to follow along in that way. In verse 6 of chapter 2 of the book of Colossians, it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So the Apostle Paul starts off by talking about the most important thing that you could possibly hear this morning. This ain't about some kind of religion. This goes so much deeper than that. He talks about all who have received Him in verse 6. What does it mean to receive Jesus? I want to put it to you as clearly and plainly as possible so that everybody leaves here with an understanding. It means that we believe that what Jesus did through his life and what he did on the cross on Good Friday and culminated when he walked out on the tomb of Easter Sunday is good news for you to receive. It means that he lived the perfect life that you could not, that there was a penalty to be paid for sin and that you had to pay it, but that Jesus paid it for you. It means that he died the death that you deserve. It means that he rose from the grave because you could not. It means that there was no tomb built on this earth that could contain him. And that on Easter Sunday, he rolled away the stone, he walked out of the grave, he conquered death, sin, hell, and Satan, and that he is alive forevermore. And that if we receive 
that news, like Paul said in verse 6, that we can have that life that Jesus demonstrated that first Easter Sunday. It means that if we trust that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to the Father but through him, that we shall be given the life that was in Christ. It means that Jesus replaces yourself as the king over your own life. It means that there is a new king and he's been given the place of preeminence in your heart and in your life. And it means that you now have a relationship by faith with God through Christ. And then he goes on to say, for all who have received Christ Jesus, therefore walk with him. The term walk with him is talking about a relationship with him. The reason that we're so exuberant here today, look, people don't get excited about religion. There's nothing to get excited about, about a bunch of rules and don'ts. But when it comes about, down to walking with him, about being able to have a relationship with him, that is news worth celebrating. It might not be obvious on the surface, but just the words walk with him are evidence that Paul is talking about something so much deeper than religion here because you can only walk with somebody who's alive. Amen? And the only reason that Paul can say walk with him is because Jesus is alive in order to be walked with. The only reason that we can walk with him is because there's an empty tomb. You could go to every grave in the history of graves and you won't be able to walk with any of the people in that grave except for one in Jerusalem that was filled by Jesus that is vacated because he walked out of it. You can't walk with Muhammad because he's dead. You can't walk with Buddha because he's dead. And if Jesus was merely a good moral teacher or prophet like many people claim him to be, you couldn't walk with him either because all he would be would be a good dead teacher. The only reason that Paul can say walk with him is because he is alive. He is risen. Mm. And then Paul goes on to give you a command. He says, be rooted in that. Because what are roots? Roots are the part of the tree that go deep. They're the thing that keep you tethered. They're the thing that keep you anchored to the ground. The reason that we celebrate Easter so passionately is because these are our roots. Your roots are the empty tomb. The resurrection is that which cannot be shaken. We can stand firm on those roots. And then he says, be built up and be established in this truth. We can be built up and established. You want to know why? Because every archaeological dig that will ever take place from now into the end of the world, every excavation that takes place of every tomb in Israel is never going to find the crucified body of our Lord because he is risen, he is alive, and there is no body to be found. Be rooted, be established, be built up in that. As he says, walk in that. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And then he goes on to say, be abounding in thanksgiving. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're doing here today. Today is a celebration. 
Today is a time of thanksgiving that he is alive forevermore in the life that he lives. He has now given to us that we might be alive in him. How many of your hearts have just been filled with gratitude today? I mean, that, how many of you just woke up with there just being a feeling of, wow, my Savior is alive and I get to celebrate that truth. You get to see, you know the beautiful thing about what we're celebrating today? This is why this is so much cooler than religion. I get to wake up and celebrate this same thing tomorrow. I might not be able to look at all your beautiful faces. I might not be able to celebrate it in a room with all of you, but tomorrow the same truth is still true. Jesus is still alive, and I get to celebrate it just as passionately. And Paul warns us. He knows that people are going to try to trick you. And verse 8 is his way of saying, don't fall for the banana in a tailpipe trick. Look at this. He says... Anybody get that reference? See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. He's saying, don't let anybody trick you and turn a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ into dead religion. A relationship with Jesus goes so much deeper than do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, do not do this, do not do that. If your exposure to Christianity was limited to a bunch of do this and do not do that, what you were told was not Christianity. It was dead religion. Christianity is not about what you must do. It's about what Christ has done on your behalf because you could not. It's about the fact that Christ paid a price that you could not and Christ walked walked out of a tomb because you could not, and he gave you the eternal life that you could not earn through any manner of do this or don't do that. Jesus is so much deeper than religion, and Paul's saying don't be fooled by this. If you are alive in Christ, you're dead to religion forevermore. And then he gives you a curious symbol to show how we're dead to religion but brought into relationship with Christ. If you look at verses 9 through 12, it says, For him, the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That was God that was hanging on the cross, fully man and fully God at the same time. And you have been filled in him who is the head of the rule and all authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made without human hands, putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So the curious symbol that he gives, he says, just like this picture of baptism, Jesus went into the earth and then he came back out of the earth 
alive and victorious. And we're going to celebrate that through the waters of baptism here in a moment. The picture that he's talking about in verse 12, he's saying that when you go down under that water, it is a picture of you identifying with Good Friday of what Jesus did on that cross on your behalf. And he washed away that sin. Though your sin was as scarlet, he made it white as snow. And when you come up out of the water, it's a picture of Jesus walking out of that tomb and you walking out of that tomb alive with him forevermore. And then he talks about our old way of life. In verse 13, he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses. That's the good news. You were dead, and he made you alive by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame and triumphing over them. He says, you were dead. And now you're alive. I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, is there a were in your life? Can you point to a place in time where you say, you know what, I was dead, but I'm not anymore. Faith in Jesus has given me eternal life. And if that's you and you don't know if there was a definite word, that's what you are doing here today. That's why you're here today to hear the good news that there is a word but Jesus Christ paid so you could say, that's not me anymore. I'm no longer dead in my trespasses. I celebrate the fact that I have been given life in Jesus. You were dead, but now because Jesus lives, you are alive. That's what's pictured in baptism. And listen to this description of this new life. And this is why we call this good news. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside. He nailed it to the cross. He disarmed all rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, disarming them, triumphing over them in him. So listen, no matter what you've ever done, if you believe in Jesus, it's saying that that was nailed to the tree. Those things that you feel like that you are going to take to the grave, those things that only you know about, those things that you feel like if anybody else ever knew this, they wouldn't be able to look me in the eye or see me the same way. He nailed those to the tree. Any of those accusations that you live with, any accusations that a family member might be bringing against you or even your own heart might be bringing against you, he took those accusations and he nailed it to the tree. Any of those things that you live in shame for and you don't know how to deal with the guilt and the shame that you carry around inside. I remember what that was like. I remember sitting in church services not knowing what to do with that feeling of shame that sat in the pit of my gut and it's saying he took that shame. He knew about it and he nailed that to a tree. And the things that used to put us to shame, it says in verse 15 that he took the things that put you to shame and he put those things to shame forever. Those things died when Jesus died. And it doesn't stop there. 
when Jesus rose, guess what? Those things didn't rise with him. All of our sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of the stain of that sin, they were all nailed to the cross. And when Jesus died, they died as well. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he canceled out the fullness of that debt. Just like Jesus, you were dead. But if you have faith in Christ, you are dead no longer. Death no longer has dominion over you. That's the good news that we celebrate today. And when Jesus rose victorious, his victory is our victory. That's why when we celebrate the baptisms that we're about to celebrate in a few moments, when people go down under the water, it's a picture that just as Jesus died, They're saying, I'm no longer defined by my sin. I'm dead to the sin that used to control me. The waters of baptism are a picture of being washed by the death and the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can know the joy. You can walk out of here today with the joy of knowing that you are forgiven. You can know something that goes so much deeper than religion. You can know the joy of being washed. You can know the joy of being cleansed. You can know the joy of walking in grace. You can know the joy of there being no stain that he could not take away. You can know the joy of being cleansed for now and forevermore. All of that junk was placed on Jesus' shoulders when he hung there on the cross for your behalf. And he nailed it to the cross and put all of your shame to shame according to this verse. And all of that junk, hear me, I'm about to, I'm about to finish in a moment, but hear me on this. All of that junk that you carry around inside went into the tomb with Jesus and it didn't come out when Jesus walked out of the tomb that first Easter Sunday. That's what's pictured when we go under the water. We're saying that when Jesus died to sin, I accept by faith that He defeated my sin as well. And He canceled the fullness of the debt against you. Have you ever talked to somebody that likes to keep a record of your rights and wrongs and remind you of the things that you've done and remind you of all of the ways that you've ever crossed them? You have anybody like that in your life? Anyone? You know what he's saying? God doesn't have one of those for you because he took it and he nailed it to a tree. It exists no longer. He canceled out that book of all of your debts. He can't bring that up like that vindictive person in your life that likes to remind you of all of your failures because he paid for all of those failures and you bear them no more because he bore them for you. If you are in Christ, there is no debt There is no deed that has your name on it any longer because it says right here that Jesus took the deed with the debt on it and he took the deed and nailed it to the tree. He humiliated the debt that existed to humiliate us. And guess what? When he walked out of the grave, the debt didn't walk out of the grave with him any longer. You who are forgiven don't have to walk out here with the weight of that debt 
any longer. That's what's pictured when we come up out of the water, that when Jesus rose victorious, we rose victorious in Jesus. And he disarmed all rulers, all authorities, triumph over them. And his triumph, brothers and sisters, this Easter morning is your triumph. So we're going to celebrate that here in a moment through baptism. But first, let me pray. He is risen. Jesus, thank you that you have canceled the fullness of the dead against us, disarmed it, and nailed it to a tree. And Lord, we celebrate that through the waters of baptism. Now a picture of the cleansing blood that is ours through faith in your atoning work on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.